0: Welcome to the One Crossing podcast. Here you can find past sermons along with other exclusive content. Our prayer is that God will move in your life even when you are on the go. We hope you enjoy this message. Crossing Church, if you believe that God is good, let me hear a whoop, whoop. It is so good to be with you. I got up early today, driving to church, just kind of felt excited and uplifted to be able to spend some time hanging out with each and every single one of you, joining from all across our different locations. Before I jump into my message, I have to tell you something very special is happening right now. Our very first summer camp is happening at the camp right now. It is wonderful. I am so thankful to all of you who support our church and made it possible for us to purchase that incredible facility. There are a ton of smelly junior hires there right now. I want, we're going to pray in just a second because we have an incredible staff that are serving there. There's wonderful difference makers who are taking time off of work and going to be there to invest in uh, the next generation of leaders. There are incredible people who have stayed behind at all of our locations to make sure that you could be in this room and have the opportunity to hear from God. So I'm going to encourage you, if you know somebody who is at camp, for you to send them an encouraging text and just let them know that you love them and you are thankful for them going and serving in your place. And as you pick up your kids today, would you speak an encouraging word over all the difference makers that are watching kids? Because I am profoundly thankful to be a part of a church that loves kids the way that you love kids. Camp is a big deal and it's a big deal for me personally. It was at a, uh, a week long event that I decided to give my life to Christ. It was where i decided to become uh have an intimate personal relationship with jesus a couple years later it was at a very similar environment where someone was speaking and they said if there's anybody in the room who feels like what they want to do for the rest of their life is tell people about jesus they don't want to be a doctor they don't want to be an attorney but they want to be a preacher uh would you come forward and i just remember sitting in my seat and I felt like I had absolute clarity in that moment that whatever I was gonna do was not the right thing for me to do. Now, those of you who became attorneys and those of you who became doctors, God could call you to that. But I remember being in that moment going, this is what I'm supposed to do. And I believe, hear me, I believe that there are kids who are gonna hear the word of God this week, who are gonna make life altering decisions for Jesus Christ, and you're part of it. So let's pray for that. across all of our locations, 10,000 square mile wide prayer. Everybody, I'm going to go Baptist. For those of you who don't know what a Baptist is, I'm going to show you. With every eye closed, with every head bowed, would you guys pray with me real quick? Heavenly Father, right now there are kids that are hearing your truth, even as I speak. God, I know that they're tired. I know that they've had a lot of Uh, crazy activities so far. But God, right now, I pray that you would clear their mind, that you would focus their spirit, that they would uh, have the ability to hear your word, and God, that you'd give them the courage to respond to it. God, that there'd be kids who would make decisions to follow you, that they would start their journey with you at an earlier age than when we started it, so that way they can avoid some of the heartache and pain And God, there are kids there that are gonna wanna go into full-time ministry. And God, I pray that this church would continue to grow so that they have a place for them to be able to leverage their gifts and their talents to expand your kingdom. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. I love this place. We started a brand new series today called My Life Coach. And during this sermon series, we're gonna be talking about leadership, about shepherding, about humility, and about grit. In the middle of this sermon series on Father's Day weekend, we're bringing in a special guest speaker by the name of Carlos Whitaker. He's actually going to be one of our speakers for Uncommon for the Friday night session, but on Thursday and Sunday, he's going to be delivering a message to our entire church called Kill the Spider. Everybody say, Kill the Spider. spider. If you're married, raise your hand if you've had... Kill the spider, yeah. And uh, I heard this with a bunch of our campus pastors when we were down in Orlando at a conference suffering for Jesus. And uh, we didn't wanna go, but we went. And uh, we heard the message, uh, kill the spider. And immediately I was like, our whole church needs to hear this. And we actually scheduled that in 2018. He was sp- or 2019. He was supposed to be here last year, but last year something happened. I can't, I can't remember what it was. Uh, but um, so he's coming back, uh, th- he's coming this year I had an opportunity to talk to him on Wednesday. It's gonna be an incredible message and I want you to hear this. It will be an incredible message for you to bring a friend who doesn't have a relationship with Jesus yet. If you're looking for a great, like safe weekend, that weekend will be a great weekend. If you're a dude uh, and you haven't signed up for men's conference, you should do that so that way you get the opportunity to hear him two times and I guarantee you will be blessed. But right now, having a life coach is all the rage. It has actually become a huge industry. In fact, it's the second fastest growing industry in the United States right now. There are over 71,000 life coaches in 161 different countries. There's 23,000 life coaches in the United States alone. Right now, it's over a billion dollar industry experiencing a 30% increase year over year. If you scroll through Facebook or uh, Instagram, people are either bragging about having a life coach and spending time with them, or there's someone trying to get you to be their life coach. You know what we used to call life coaches? Parents, (laughs) friends, and sometimes even pastors. But why is everybody looking for a life coach? I'll tell you, because the need is great. People need leadership and direction because life is difficult, it's hard. It never takes a day off. Every day there are problems to solve, issues to address, and challenges to navigate. And many times the way we handle these situations today has a lasting impact on the days to come. How many of you, if you could build a time machine, you would go back in time and do a couple things over? Yeah, yeah. Uh, if you had a time machine, you'd go back and press the reset button. Sometimes, I'll be honest with you, I wouldn't do things over. I would just go back in time and slap myself. That's why I was just like, hey, you idiot. Like, I would just hit me. That's all I need to do. I don't want to alter the fabric of reality by actually changing something. I just need to hit somebody, and it might as well be me. What if we had uh, the right life coach? And don't you think that if we had the right life coach, we would make better decisions, live with fewer regrets, and live a greater life? How many of you at all of our locations? It sounds appealing to you to, have, to make better decisions, have fewer regrets, and live a greater life. Raise your hand if that's appealing to you. Then you came to the right place, because I'm gonna introduce you to a great life coach. And when we talk about life coach, what we're really talking about is leadership. Now, I know that some of you, when we hear the word leadership, we want to check out. You want to go, oh, that's for somebody else? Because you go, I'm not, I mean, I'm not a leader. That's not, that's not me. Well, here at the crossing, uh, there are a lot of definitions for leadership. But our favorite definition is when you are a leader, a leader has influence. Leadership equals influence. So if you have influence, you are a leader. And some of you are going, well, what is influence? I never do this, but here's a definition for you. The capacity to have an effect on the character, development, or behavior of somebody. Character, development, or behavior of somebody. That is influence. So, how many of you have a job? Raise your hands. And you work next to somebody, raise your hand. If you work next to them, do you have the ability to impact? their character, their development, or their behavior? If so, you have influence. And if you have influence, you are a, help me out, you're a, yeah. If you're a manager, boss, and you employ people, question, for those of you who aren't in that spot, has your boss ever impacted your behavior? Influenced your emotions? Yeah, okay. Guess what, bosses and managers? You have influence. And if you have influence, you are a leader. Uh, Teachers, do you have the ability to impact the development, character, or behavior of your students? A hundred percent. If you have influence, you are a? Yeah, you're a leader. Parents, oh. Do your kids have the ability to impact your behavior, (laughs) your character, and your development? A hundred percent. Your kids have influence. And if your kids have influence, that means that you are raising, oh, hold on a second. Do you have friends? All of our locations, raise your hand if you have a friend. If you don't, Stick around church longer after the service ends and, and find a friend. Okay. Uh, and you're going, I'm not a leader. I just, you know, I just hang out with people, but you know, inside of your circle group, sometimes they call you and ask for your input. They ask for your advice. Maybe you're the person who gets everybody together for the, for the group meals, or you're the one who plans the, the friendcation and where everybody goes. If you've, fall into that category you have influence and if you have influence you're a leader if you are a husband you have influence if you're a wife you have influence if you're a grandma or a grandpa you have influence and if you have influence hear me you are a yes you're a leader turn to your neighbor look at him and say you're sitting next to a leader yeah do it do it a little snooty like do it like you like you didn't just find out like you've been here before. You're sitting next to a leader. You know, I don't wanna bring it up, but I mean, you're sitting next to a, a leader, right? Now, this is important. You have to recognize that you have influence, and if you have influence, you're a leader. And oftentimes, when the Bible talks about leadership, it uses an interesting phrase. It uses the word shepherd. And that's not a word we're used to, unless you're a sheep farmer. How many of you have sheep? Hannibal just gave their life to Christ. God bless you, Hannibal. We love you, I'm just joking. It was, I'm just, you you do have sheep, don't lie. There's a couple, at least one. Somebody in your family has a sheep. Is that, or is a shop? How's the, what's the plural of, what's the singular of sheep? Okay, all right, now. God uses it as one of his favorite descriptions is being a shepherd. In fact, oftentimes when God would pick a person to lead his people, the person he would pick would have spent time actually leading sheep first. Abraham, Father Abraham, guess what he was? He was a shepherd. Moses, before he led the people out of Egypt, Guess what he spent 40 years doing? Leading sheep. David, before he became king, before he killed Goliath, he killed a lion and a bear. Do you know when he killed the lion and the bear? When he was a, a shepherd. And when Jesus shows up on the scene and he starts to establish himself as the son of God, Jesus describes himself as the good shepherd. So what do good shepherds do? Maybe it's easier to figure out what good shepherds do and good leaders do by recognizing what they don't do. That's exactly what God does in Ezekiel chapter 34. Let me read this to you and tell me if this doesn't sound like your boss or the person you elected. Ready? Ezekiel 34, the word of the Lord came to me, son of man, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. Prophesy and say to them, this is what the sovereign Lord says. Woe to you shepherds of Israel who only take care of yourselves. Should not shepherds take care of the flock? You eat the curds, you clothe yourself with the wool and you slaughter the choice animals, but you do not take care of the flock. You have not strengthened the weak or healed the sick or bound up the injured. You have not brought back the strays or searched for the lost. You have ruled them harshly and brutally. So they were scattered because there was no shepherd. And when they were scattered, they became food for all the wild animals. My sheep wandered all over the mountains on every high hill. They were scattered over the whole earth and no one searched or looked for them. When you read that, you're thinking of somebody What I want you to do is I want you to read this and I want you to think of you. Here's what we're gonna do. I'm gonna read this entire passage all over again. We're gonna change a couple words, okay? First thing, instead of the word shepherd, I'm gonna put the word leader in there. Then the second thing, instead of the word flock, I want you to pick your word. So wherever you feel like you have influence, I want you to insert your word for the word flock. So maybe you're going, I have influence at work. So you wanna say employees or coworkers. Maybe you wanna say uh, your friends or your family or your kids, wherever you have influence. I'm gonna pause when I'm reading and I want you to say where your influence is. And instead of the word Israel, I want you to say the town where you live and see if this hits a little different. Are we ready? We're gonna do this together. Ezekiel 34 verses one through six. The word of the Lord came to me, son of man prophesy against the leaders of, everybody at all of our locations say the city you live in. Prophesy and say to them, this is what the sovereign Lord says. Woe to you leaders of? Only take care of yourselves. Should not leaders take care of the? Okay, you guys suck. (laughs) I'm working really hard and you just like, sorry, man, we're not going anymore, we're done. We checked out already. Okay, I don't know, I'm sure all of our other locations are standing up right now, just clapping, saying, great intro, Clayton, incredible, keep it up. But Quincy, what's your deal? I've never been mean to you, okay? So, we're going to read that line again, and I want you to insert your word. What's the word where you have influence? Should not leaders take care of the? Oh, good job, I love you again. You eat the curds, clothe yourself with the wool, and slaughter the choice animals. But you do not take care of the? You have not strengthened the weak or healed the sick or bound up the injured. You have not brought back the strays or searched for the lost. You have ruled them harshly and brutally. So they were scattered because there was no leader. And when they were scattered, they became food for all the wild animals. My people wandered all over the mountains and on every high hill. They were scattered over the whole earth and no one searched or looked for them. How many of you know a leader that falls into that category. How many of you have ever had a bad boss, a bad teacher, a bad friend, a bad parent? We've all had bad leaders who only looked out for themselves. We see it all the time. In fact, it's unbelievably easy to identify. We see it in our political leaders who make backroom deals that benefit themselves off the back of taxpayers. We see it in uh, bad managers and leaders who just want the privileges of leadership without the responsibility of leadership. We see it in teachers who show up for work at the last possible moment and leave as as early as they are able. We see it in parents who want to keep living their lives through their kids, regardless of the toll that takes on them. Or we see it in parents who actually don't even want to behave like their parents. They want to keep living out their their college years while their kids just suffer off to the sideline. The problem with us is we can easily identify it in everybody else, but we struggle to see. We struggle to see it in us. It's Planck Eye Syndrome. Jesus says, be careful about pointing out the, the speck of sin in somebody else's eye and ignore the plank. I'm no woodworker, but planks are bigger than specks. And here you and I sit and we can see it in everybody else, but we can fail to recognize it in ourselves. And when we do recognize that we've been a bad leader, we have so much grace for ourselves. We have all good reasoning and rationale as to why we did what we did when we did it. We see a little bit of bad leadership in somebody else and we have no grace. We finally recognize that we didn't lead as well as we should have and we have truckloads of grace for ourselves. Bad shepherds and bad leaders are a pandemic. And unfortunately, there's no vaccine you can take, no pill you can swallow, and no amount of quarantining can keep you from impacting negatively those around you. So what do we do? What does God want you and I to do? If you wanna become a better leader, you look to Jesus as your supreme example. Nobody has ever had a more profound impact on the world than Jesus. Now he did it without social media, without a super PAC, without a position in government. He did it without protests and without passing laws and without TV ads saying, I approve this message. He did it without a speaking tour, without a publishing contract. He even did it without a place to lay his head. What I'm saying is, is when you are walking on earth right now, you possess more worldly influence than Jesus had when he walked on earth and he changed the world. You have more influence. You have more earthly resources at your disposal than he had. And he changed the world. So how did Jesus do it? Well, he turned the give and take on its head. Every relationship that you have is a give and take relationship. Every relationship. And oftentimes those relationships end because you can't give anymore and you can't take anymore. The leaders you have, the places where you've worked, all the bad leaders, bad teachers, there was something that happened inside the give and take equation that eventually fell apart and you're like, I just can't, I can't foot the bill anymore. I can't take it anymore. I can't give anymore. I mean, bad leaders, uh, they, they take the credit and they give the blame. How many of you ever worked for a boss like that? Uh, They take the easy way, and they give everybody else hardship. In a relationship with Jesus, it's give and take as well. The difference is, is what does he give and what does he take? Uh, Jesus takes your sin, and Jesus gives you grace. Jesus takes your death, and he gives you life. You see, leadership is not about what you can get from the sheep it's about what you sacrifice for the sheep. And oftentimes the reason that we are bad leaders and the reason we don't have the influence that we want to have on the people around us is because we're not willing to sacrifice to get what God wants to get through them. We don't we don't want to have to give anything up. John 10:10 10, 10 says this, "The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy, and I have come that they may have life" and have it to the full. I am the good shepherd. And then he qualifies what a good shepherd is, you ready? The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. There's three groups of people. There's those that come to steal and kill and destroy, the enemy, and he is after the sheep, the people that you have influence over. They're out to get them, they don't take a day off. Then there's the hireling, the person who will do their job as long as the pay is enough. They don't care about the sheep, they care about the compensation. I'll give and give and give as long as you give and give and give. Man, I'll stay here and I'll protect the sheep as long as the pay's right. I'll love the kids as long as the pension's good. I'll take care of this team as long as I keep getting rewarded, as long as I get my days. There's the hireling. They will take care of people as long as there somebody is taking better care of them. And then there's the shepherd who doesn't care about the compensation because they're compelled. They're called. They take ownership of the situation and say, God has placed me in this place, in this sphere of influence to take care of the sheep. When the hireling runs out off, the shepherd's still there. When the wolf shows up, the shepherd's still there because they're not worried about the compensation. They're worried about the care of the sheep and a good shepherd lays things down. Question, what do you need to lay down to become a better shepherd? What do you need to lay down in your marriage to be a better leader in your marriage? What do you need to lay down in your parenting to become a better leader of your kids? What do you need to lay down in your office to enhance your leadership and change the way people in your workplace think about Christians? What do you have to lay down? You go, Clayton, this does not sound fun. I like the leadership talk where you tell me I'm great and I'm awesome. No, I'm actually telling you if you wanna become great and you wanna become awesome at leadership, The path is you laying stuff down, stuff down that you like. I like my life. When it says the good shepherd lays down, that's something I like. I like breathing, always have. Our good shepherd lays that down. Because a good leader is more concerned with building God's kingdom than their personal empire. And I know some of you right now, you're freaking out because You've watched some YouTube videos about leadership and about where the world's going and you're going, so you just want me to show up and just try and lead in a place where there's just no rules and I just love everybody all the time and I have to learn guitar so we can sing cool songs and come in whenever you want, man. Like you're going, I can't lead in that environment. That, listen, that's not what I'm asking you to do. You're worried that you can't have expectations. No, 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 no. When you start to lead by laying stuff down, You get to have expectations. In fact, you get to have higher expectations. Let me prove it to you. Come with me. Come here, look at my face. Um, Can we all agree that Jesus is the best leader? If we do, nod your head. Okay. Does he have expectations? Oh, you better believe it. His expectations are not provide good customer service. His are pray for those who persecute you. Love your, some of you said neighbor, okay. And some of you said, yeah, question, bosses, track with me. You're sending your employees out to do something, to solve a problem, and you've heard them come back, well, so-and-so, da-da-da-da-da-da. You're like, why can't you just work with people? God's standard is, Love, with pe- love people who hate you. Jesus' expectations are be holy because I'm holy. Jesus doesn't lower expectations, he raises them. Jesus says, if somebody asks you to go one mile, go with him two miles. Teachers, parents, bosses, managers. Don't you want an environment Where all the people that you oversee go two miles when asked to go one? Show up an hour early instead of five minutes early? The way you get to that kind of leadership is by you leading that way. Why am I willing to be holy? Because he's holy. Why do I go two miles when only asked to go one? because Jesus went a million miles without me even having to ask. Right? What motivates you to live to the high standard that Jesus calls you to? The character of Jesus and the sacrifice of Jesus. You see, the issue is not the standards, the issue is the example. We want students to go the extra mile without us having to go the extra mile. We want our kids to be kind without us having to be kind. We want our kids to be respectful without respecting their mother, whether we're married to her or not. You want respectful kids? Treat your ex with dignity. Who are your kids learning it from? You're going, Clayton, if I try to do this, it's gonna kill me. I'm like, Clayton, I can't, I'm tapping out. I got, I got bad news for you. Yeah. It's gonna kill you. How do I know this? Look at Mark chapter 10. You know that those who re- are regarded as rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them. They lord over their authority. They have the expectations because of the place that the, and position that they're in. You had better do this because I am. And their high officials exercise authority over them. Everybody at all of our locations say the next four words. Not so with you. He's saying Christians behave differently. Instead, whoever wants to become, say this word, great among you must be your, oh, you're kidding me. And whoever wants to be first must be a, of, ugh. Yeah. That leader that you hate would be a great leader if he was this kind of leader. For even the son of man did not come to be served, but to serve, and here's the death part, and to give his life as a ransom for many. Leaders are more concerned with the success, with the success of others than with their personal comfort. They inspire others to serve by the way that they serve. They gain the ability to speak hard truth by the profound depth of their love. This is how Jesus leads us. How could you and I justify ever leading any other way? I mean, you wanna be the person who looks at Jesus with a crown of thorns on his head and blood dripping down his face and holes in his hands and feet and go, yeah, I just don't think that works, man. I got a better idea. I mean, I haven't created worlds or solar systems or gravity or thermodynamics. I haven't created any of that, but I've been reading some books and watching some videos on YouTube, Jesus. And I really think, I mean, I just wanna try this for a little while. Don't you think the one that made the human race knows how to lead the human race? Knows how to inspire the human race? So let's get serious for a second. I have a vision for our little corner of the world. For those of you here in Quincy and those of you watching in Macomb, to those of you in Kirksville and Pike County in Hannibal and Lima, for those of you watching in Mount Sterling and Keokuk and Monmouth and Jacksonville, to those of you watching on uh, online, wherever you're joining from in the world. And for those of you who are part of the crossing inside, I want there to be a line out the door of your business because you've created the very best place on planet earth for people to work. where you don't see yourself as their boss, you see yourself as their pastor. Where school administrators are coming to your class to find out what you're doing, because all the parents are requesting their kid to have you as a teacher. And all the kids are saying, whatever you do, make sure you get so-and-so for this class. I want your doctor's office to be a place where people come to, not because they get seen, but because they get served. They don't just get care, they get comforted to those of you who are part of the crossing inside i want word to spread that people who attend the crossing inside are the first to serve the first to set an example the first to pray and the first to be kind i want officers over their lunch hours scratching their heads while they talk to one another going what has gotten into this cell block and then i want them to come to the conclusion that you got into that cell block and what got into you was a different kind of leader and the kind of leader you got into was jesus i want to see the kingdom of god let loose on our homes and our streets and our communities. But it will never happen. It will never happen until you and I learn how to follow the greatest leader. And the greatest leader is Jesus. David writes about what his relationship with God looks like. Here at the Crossing, we uh, use this explanation in Psalm 23 to describe what it means to have an intimate, personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And David is describing what it looks like when God is his leader. And I wonder if this sounds appealing to you. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. It's interesting. Every time I read that, it always gets quiet and you just kind of feel like people are just wrapping up under a big heavy blanket that grandma made. It's just one of the most comforting passages in all the scripture. And it's because you're visualizing what it would be like when you placed your hands fully, and your life fully in the hands of Jesus. That's what it would be like if you made him your leader. Question for all of you at all of our locations, can you say this, that the Lord is my shepherd? If you can't say it, you can say it if you want to. You will never become the leader that God created you to be until you make Jesus Christ the centerpiece of your life, until you make him your leader and you choose to follow him. It'll just never happen. And right now, across all of our locations, you and I, we have a decision to make. Are we gonna lead like Jesus? And are we gonna be led like Jesus? I want you to think about that as we move to this time of decision. Thank you for joining us. A special thank you to those of you that choose to give to this ministry. It's because of your generosity that this ministry is possible. You can click the link in the description to give now or visit thecrossing.net forward slash podcast for more information. If you enjoy the podcast, be sure to subscribe and share with your friends tagging One Crossing on social media. Thank you so much for listening.